Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Here on Hot Takes on a Plate, I explore the things that make you feel and how those feelings collide with food. And today I have feelings of fascination and confusion about my guest, Jim Serpico. Jim is an acclaimed TV and film producer, writer, and director. His credits include Blow, Rescue Me, Marin, and most recently, the FX original documentary, Hysterical. It's out on Hulu. I watched it last night. It's fantastic. You should watch it as well. He also runs a production company, a comedy record label, and manages comedic talent. So then why did this successful and clearly busy entertainment professional decide to start baking and selling bread and other baked goods at Farmer's Markets, Jim joins me to answer that question. Jim, lots of successful people in the entertainment world have started food businesses, but I don't know of any that are in the kitchen actually making the food like you are with your aptly titled Side Hustle Artisanal Bread Company. You were in the kitchen just a few moments ago making bread. What is going on? Let's clear something up. I was in the garage. <laughs> Not even a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> some of it's in the kitchen some of it's in the garage um yeah it's a tough one to answer i'll tell you that it's uh it really didn't start with the plan to to have a bread company selling at farmers markets and and distributing and delivering to houses all across long island it started with hey we do this as a family every sunday we make prosciutto bread our friends like it Let's open on an Instagram account with Side Hustle and put pictures of our bread on and maybe our friends will want some. And that's really what we did. We were sitting across the dinner table um, and we did that. And it coincided with everyone being home because I wasn't going to the city anymore with COVID shutting everything down and the kids not going to school, you know, other than virtually. And it's, we, we did it. And within six weeks, we started getting people DMing us on Instagram to buy the bread. One thing led to another, the account got big enough for farmer's market, a particular farmer's market to reach out and invite us to attend. I'm like, let's try this. So, let's so do you it. weren't even um, shopping this. It, it came to you organically. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't give it much thought before we started the Instagram account. And when did you, so, so you know, did you start baking bread with your family before COVID or were you like everybody else? Like, Oh, we're, we're locked down. Let's, let's start baking bread. The, the big hobby that everybody did. I baked bread for years. Uh, you know, many years I would make pasta. I love to cook. Um, and it was a weekend activity with the family. You know, many years ago we went to Italy as a family. And we, when we were in Florence, we took, uh, cooking classes as a family is something to do. And then we would, we would do that and practice it on the weekends and do it with friends. So, you know, we, we were hobbyists, you know, with a passion, uh, but certainly not, we didn't know how to bake to scale per se. Um, but when we started, it was, it was baking the same way we would bake for ourselves, which is measuring by cups, not weight. Um, not knowing how to scale all these recipes. And then little by little, we would start to add things and have to figure out how to do it. And we actually had fun creating, you know, this is kind of the boring stuff, but it's some of the things that excites me. It's like, I see it like a TV production. Like when, when you 
have a script that you have to go out and shoot in five days. You have to break it down and figure out how we're going to accomplish all these scenes and at what locations and how we're going to pull this off and how are we going to get everyone to work together to do it. And that's what happened. You know, the first weekend we had to, you know, maybe do 15 deliveries with each person ordering between two and four pieces of bread. We had to figure out how do we do that in our home kitchen with our home oven. Um, and then it got to the point now where, you know, it's 600 to a thousand loaves a weekend easy. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, going into the summer, our bread's going to be at like six farmers markets and another three farm stands and deliveries. And it's now turned into a bigger production. <laughs> and it's interesting because I think you nailed it. I, when I had restaurant Hunter, I saw, I, I saw constantly the parallels between the food industry and the, the, the production industry. There are, there are so many things that are similar between people who run kitchens and people who run TV shows, showrunners, producers. It's, it, there's an attention to detail. There's a level of organization and planning. You, but you also have to be able to adapt at a moment's notice because you never know what crazy thing is going to come flying at you. I mean, there, 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 I th there's so many similarities between the two. Hundred percent. I mean, you're you're constantly putting out fires in this. You could do all, you know, have all the planning you you want and uh, do the best job, but something's going to happen, you know. And it just happened today. <laughs> so it's fascinating because you you were well. You, first off, you were saying it happened today. You had messaged me this morning that uh, you had some 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 bread that did not turn out the way you wanted it to, and you had to scramble to fill an order. Is that correct? Yeah, we work with a deli in our town in Plainview, New, uh, Long Island. Um, they feature sandwiches with our bread about three or four days a week. And this is a bread that I've been working on for the summer. It, it's it's based on our traditional New England hot dog bun. And I've turned it, I made an Italian version with semolina flour uh, for hot dog rolls and hamburger rolls and sandwich rolls with semolina flour. And today was the first day I was delivering on a bigger scale than usual for this particular bread. And to save myself time, I had mixed it last night and put about five dozen of these buns in the fridge stacked on top of each other to do a cold proof so that I could just wake up and bake it. Well, all the weight crushed everything, mm. melded it all together. Uh, when I baked it, it didn't rise. It turned into like a crisp, uh, <laughs> It was unservable. How did it go in the garbage? So, and they, they're being used for sandwiches today that have been advertised. So I had to scramble and, and make a new batch. And you're learn, but you're learning, you know, trial and error. That's what everybody does in every industry when you're successful. But what I find interesting about what you've been telling me is, you know, most people, when they plan a business, they plan a business. They say, all right, this is what we're going to do. And of course, things don't always go as planned, but you, 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 you buy what you need to kind of scale everything out. You kind of fell into this and it got big. It sounds like pretty quickly. So how, how do you, I, I'm just trying to picture this. You're doing this out of your home. At first it's just for friends. Then it's for farmers markets. Now you have retail that's, you know, taking your product and using it. Um, maybe not retail, but delis and whatnot. And so now you need, you said you, you use your kitchen and your garage, you need more space. Like how do you adapt to this like growing thing that's happening in your house? And it's like a, a real business. Well, you know, 
I listen to a lot of uh, business podcasts. I I subscribe to Masterclass, and I, I I I love to learn, and I constantly listen to to people who have had successful businesses. Um, and one of the podcasts I love is Guy Raz's How I Built This. Um, you know, and there's two schools of thought. You know, and and most people who I talk to about what I'm doing or have talked about it from the beginning, including my own family members would say, what's your business plan? Do you, have you written out the business plan? You know, um, and I am not a believer in having a business plan at the beginning because you don't know what you don't know. And I was fully aware that there was a shitload of stuff I didn't know about this. And the truth is, you know, I wasn't 100% relying on this business to pay my bills. So I wanted to be able to figure this out as I go and, and constantly adapt and learn. And I also didn't want to go into debt. I didn't want to borrow money. So, you know, we didn't want to use any other people's money. So we would use what we had. And as we would make money, we would invest it into, you know, from a KitchenAid mixer to maybe a 20 quart mixer. Um, and kind of step it up that way and figure things out, you know, and then watch videos on YouTube from other bakers, like foolproof baking. And, you know, how did they do it? And not just the recipes, but the administrative part, um, setting up the LLC, you know, when we first started the first couple of months, we didn't have that, you know, and then, you know, we're starting to get into real situations. Wait a second. We need that. Wait, there's a home processing permit. You need that. How do you get that? What is that? you know, and start researching and do that and figure out, you know, as we go. And even this morning, my wife asked, you know, cause it's becoming a lot. So she's like, what is your goal with this company? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure still what my goal with this company is. But that's is. okay. Isn't it? Like, the, it, I mean, I, I think it's interesting what you said there about not having a plan intentionally at the beginning. I, I'm actually in the process of, of starting a side hustle business, if you will. Uh, my wife and I uh, just recently purchased a, a weekend home in the Poconos that we're going to do short-term rentals on as well as staying in it on Airbnb and VRBO. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like you, we did not want to just, you know, spend, spend, spend at the beginning. You know, I see a lot of people who just invest, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands into their new property to have it perfect for when they list it. And we're kind of taking the opposite approach. It, it came furnished. It's not necessarily our style of furniture, but we're going to do little by little because we don't want to go into debt to then make that money or possibly not make that money. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really smart, you know, and you're going to learn, as you go, what, what about this works? Um, what might make someone want to rent it? What type of furniture? What, what, what do you need to have the house equipped with? I mean, it's, how would you know if you don't have context, right? Exactly. And it's, it's, it's watching other people to see what they're doing, but I also think it's watching other people to see what you can do different because that's the thing. I think a lot of people, look and say, well, that's the thing that's working. I need to do that. But if everybody's doing the same thing, how are you different from everyone else? I think that's a big thing. And I think about that in terms of my television and film career. I just had a very unique way in and I, I did not study film and TV in school. Um, I did not really work for anyone that taught me the business. That was another business where I had to I was fortunate enough to 
to, to find myself in a situation and create an opportunity and be given an opportunity by someone who was gracious enough, gracious enough to do that. Um, but we figured out the business together and, um, yeah, we would find other people that were successful and became mentors that would give us advice. Um, but we didn't have formal training in TV and film either, you know? You had to hustle. So I think that's an important way to think of it also for what we're doing as a bakery. Um, cause we think about the products differently and we market. That's the other thing about us. I think we market differently than most bread companies. Yes, you do. You know? Yes, you do. <laughs> You're putting your production skills um, to use. If you, is it side hustle bread? Is that the Instagram? It is. Oh, yes. Yeah. Be, make sure you check it out. It's really entertaining. I, I've been enjoying it this last year. I'm curious what what drew you and your family to bread. Why bread? I know you do more than bread now with side hustle. You do other baked goods, but what was it about bread? Well, it is still mostly bread. I would say it's 90% bread. Um, I think, you know, it's like it, the one bread I made consistently and often for years was prosciutto bread, which is also known as lard, lard bread. Lard bread, yep. If you go into my, my corner of Brooklyn, lard bread, that is definitely a thing. It's a big thing right. with Italian-Americans. And I always loved that kind of bread and tried to replicate the recipes that I would taste at different delis and restaurants and landed on something that I felt was as good as those. Um, and I kept making it. So I think everything branched out from there, you know, from, from the lard bread and meat breads, it went to semolina breads and it went to different uh, white floured Italian breads and it just became a thing, you know? I was never a cake baker. I never baked pastries and, you know, I don't know much about them. So I just kind of went down this path and, um, kind of just stayed with the bread. What about just the kind of found, but what about the process interests you? Cause you know, so much about baking, whether it's baking, cooking, whatever, so much about it is the process and they're different skills. And some people are, are more interested in what, I mean, making a loaf of bread is so different than grilling a steak. What about the process of, of bread drew you to it? I could give you a current example of something that I find interesting. And I think it answers the question of what drew me to it. You know, in doing these farmers markets, um, you know, you become friendly with the other vendors and occasionally there's collaborations and there's a, another vendor called Pondy Ice that serves hot food and shaved ices and Jamaican flared food at farmer's markets. And, you know, he's been having a hard time finding cocoa buns. Even he goes to cocoa bun manufacturers. He wants them to look like hot dog rolls, like New England style hot dog rolls. And he'll go to a place that spends their whole day making these Jamaican cocoa buns. And they won't make them like hot dogs. They say, no, it can't be done. We won't do it. This is how you do it. And he's called and went everywhere. And he asked me, can you do this? So I would look up the recipe. I would read different recipes. I would try it out. I would have him taste it. We would modify it. And now we're doing a collaboration where he's going to use our cocoa buns. So I never even ate a cocoa bun. But I love doing this research and, and then seeing the finished product. And, and I know from the beginning, we're going to be able to figure it out somehow. Um, 
And that's what interests me. And we were talking earlier about similarities between the food world and the TV world. And one that I see often is I think it the kind of people that are drawn and successful in TV or food are, tend to be obsessive personalities. Do you agree with that? I think so. I mean, I'm definitely obsessive. Um, I mean, you sound like I, it. You're going down these rabbit holes of cocoa buns and, you know, learning all yeah. this stuff. Like, you kind of have to be. Yeah, and it, it drives my family crazy. <laughs> Mine too. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, because they're very intimately involved in in this mess we created. Um, you know, but but yeah, I mean, those are, that 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 obsessive interests me. I'd rather spend my time doing that, even though listen, there is plenty of mindless television I watch. Like I love the same shows, like American Idol and The Voice. But man, I'd rather do this stuff and work on this kind of stuff and study it at night than just waste time playing video games or something. I don't know. And I'm curious, speaking of time, where are you finding the time? I mean, I guess you're saying you're cutting out TV and some other, you know, quote unquote mindless things, but where are you finding the time? Because this is like, this seems like it's more than a little side hustle. It's becoming like a real, real thing. But you also, you know, you're you're a successful, you know, entertainment professional. I mean, you just had a, a documentary, you know, on FX and Hulu, Hysterical, that was fantastic. You, you told me, you know, before we started, it took three years to make, um, that you were one of the executive producers of. And, I mean, you've got all this stuff going on. Like, where are you finding the time? Um, Listen, I, I think, I like, you know, I woke up this morning. At six, not that, not that I'm saying yeah, a lot of people work, wake up at six and earlier, but you know, for me, I wake up at six so that by six twenty, I could put those buns in the oven. Right. And be done with all that so that I could start working on milestone and talk to you, which was supposed to be a 10. Right. And then, you know, I go until we have dinner as a family. And then I come back in this office that I'm in and I'm here till nine o'clock every night. So I would say, and even when I wasn't baking, you know, I mean, I used to commute three hours to Manhattan, which would kill it. And I'm not doing that, but I generally work from when I wake up till nine, 10 o'clock. It's just what I do. It's so now it's a matter of, you know, the way I look at it, what is the difference between, you know, have, working on two documentaries, three scripted television shows and managing three clients Whereas maybe now I'm I'm working on one scripted television show, managing three clients and not doing something else. But instead of one of these projects in television or film, I'm putting that energy in this company. So, you know? so you'd be working no matter what. If it wasn't bread, it'd be something else. I think so. I mean, I don't know what I would do with myself if I'm not working. So in a way, maybe. So so I'm I'm, I'm curious if you agree with me on this. So a lot of people, the old sort of thought process used to be that like, you know, the minute you start a family or whatever, your career falls apart. And I've, I found that to be complete bullshit because I'll tell you, I felt like some of the most successful years I had in my career were when I had kids. And the reason being was they sort of grounded me. They sort of forced me to take breaks. They, they, they gave me perspective. And I'm wondering, not, not to compare children to this bread business, although it is kind of a, a growing child in a way, but like, do you find that sort of the forced break from the TV stuff can sort of 
recharge the batteries for the TV stuff. Like if you're constantly doing the one task, obsessing over the one task all the time, your brain doesn't stop to sort of process that one task. I think that's true. I think you need, especially in anything really creative, like especially when you're starting to talk about writing, you know, there's, there's parts of television and, and film that are you're carrying out a task and you're providing a service that has to be done because someone else created it. Um, when you're involved in the creation, which I often am, even if it's not my something that I'm writing myself, it might be my client's creation, you know, we're still very involved in the creative aspect of that. And, you know, you need time away. You need time because that idea will come to you when you're in the shower or driving to a farmer's market. You know, I love driving 45 minutes to Pachog on Sundays. It's my quiet time. And I do think about all kinds of things, you know, including our television and film business. Now, the thing you mentioned about you know, a family and some people think that's when your career falls apart. That's an interesting conversation. You know, I'm, I'm 53 years old. My kids are, you know, 22, 20 and 16. You know, if, if cutting back 12 years from now, I don't really don't think I would have had the time to start a bread company if COVID happened then. Um, and I probably wouldn't have, I'm at a stage in my life where everyone's a little more independent and we still spend quality time together, but I do have the time because my kids are a little older. Oh yeah. COVID for me. I mean, gosh, like I've got one, one kid who now is in fourth grade another who's a kindergartner. So when it started, we we're talking about a pre-K kid and a third grader. And you know, the older one is, is very independent for her age and, and just handles her stuff. But like my youngest, you know, the, she's only in school half the time right now. You know, it's on and off. It's hybrid. I have to be a teacher 50% of the time. It's a, it's a major, major time suck. But I'm also, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. And, you know, some days more than others. But it's it's nice to be able to snuggle on the couch and read books with your your child and have that time. But I'm curious, you know, with, with Side Hustle, you, you mentioned COVID. We're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, Things are starting to slowly return a little. We're not totally to normal, obviously, but, you know, productions are happening. Things are being shot. Things are happening. I mean, your business is growing at a time when your other business, your main business, is probably going to start growing as well again. So where does this leave everything? Well, we're taking it one day at a time. And the truth is, in my television and film business, you know, it's divided into several different areas. Um, the part that takes the most physical time of the television or film business obviously is the chunks of time to write. And then if the projects that we're developing, whether we write them or we're overseeing as creative executives go into production, then I have to be on set. Right. And now that's the interesting thing about being a television producer. Some there, there have been some television producers that are on set 11 months a year. Right. That hasn't been my career. You know, you get a show, it goes for seven seasons. You spend six months a year on that show and then you're back in the office and you don't have a show on the air for three years. Right. So uh, I'm in that stage where I don't have a show in production right now. Um, we have enough going where I, I strongly believe that we'll have something in production. 
hopefully several things in production. And hopefully one of those things is something that we created. And at that point, I don't really have the answer on what happens to side hustle. I'd like to think it stays in existence. Since we started, we are using an, another producer. It's like using another production company. But in this case, there's a wholesale bread uh, producer that we've partnered with on some of our breads that is doing the baking for us. And I think, and that's just some of it. That's a, a percentage of the bread. I think that if it gets to the point where I have to go to LA for four months at a time, I'd have to conversate, have a conversation with that person um, or other people and figure out how to continue side hustle you know, under our supervision, but being baked by other people. But you don't want to give it up. No way. It's your baby. No way. I can't imagine giving this up. You know, like the master plan might be, <laughs> I mean, this is a kind of cool thing to go out in retirement, in, you know? Oh, totally. And, and there's the other big parallel. I feel like maybe the biggest parallel between what you and I have done professionally for many years and the food world that we didn't even address is when you're a chef, you get you have an audience you have people consuming your food and there's a pleasure from being able to know that people are enjoying what you're putting out and it you know it's the same thing with tv you know or or film you're putting something out there for people to consume and you're hoping they enjoy it right 100% uh i'm not going to lie that's that's appealing to me you know i like it i've become more comfortable uh, um about being the face of this bread business, you know, at the very beginning, I didn't want to personally have my name out there publicly. Um, now it's completely the other way. Um, I'm constantly putting myself in the, in the social posts and, um, but, but I also feel like this is an extension of my personality. You know, the marketing, the music we use is, is the music that interests me, the coming up with the campaigns, interests me um and i think that's part of of what's working and what's connecting with people you know because i feel like i am having a connection with people who are fans of our company you know and i like that it's very cool absolutely so where can people get the products so we are at the garden farmers market in Pachog. Every Saturday and Sunday. Which, by the way, South Shore of Long Island, if you are a city person listening to this and you're one of those people that likes to go to the Hamptons on the weekend, it's it's easy. Yeah. It's an easy stop on the way or, or on the way back. Correct. Um, speaking of the Hamptons, it looks like we're going to be at the South Hampton Farmer's Market every Sunday starting June 5th. Uh, we're talking to Port Jefferson about being there on Sundays. We're at a farmer's market called the Deep Roots Farmer's Market starting June 5th in Glen Cove. We're at the Good Shepherd Farmer's Market in Levittown uh, this summer. We are at, I mean, we're at a whole bunch of farm are, stands. Are you at all of these farmer's markets? You can't be. I'm not. I was going to say, <laughs> this thing's getting big, Jim. Holy cow. I am. Every Saturday and Sunday, I'm usually at one market myself, and uh, and if not, I am certainly delivering the bread and stopping by several of them. 
and 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 like you said, like a lot of this is coming out of your home. <laughs> I can only imagine what it must look like in your garage and your your home. I, I can only imagine. We just this week took about twenty five recipes off the wall in the kitchen, um, <laughs> and we put them in a in a notebook, um, because we weren't using them anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's nuts. It looks like a bakery. You, you must have a very very tolerant wife. She's unbelievably tolerant. Um, I, I I feel bad for her. <laughs> you gotta when we get out of this, you gotta treat her to a really nice vacation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Jim, thank you so much. What's what's is, is side hustle is the Instagram. What's the website? The website is sidehustleartisanalbread.com. And what makes it artisanal? I'm gonna put you on the hot seat here. Um. We like to think our, of ourselves as as artists, um, but I am aware that it's it's that is a pretentious term because there was an art. Was it you? Was it you who wrote the article that you don't hear about uh, artists and plumbers? I don't. I didn't write an article, but I, I that was a big gripe of mine on Restaurant Hunter. I definitely threw shade at the word artisanal. I don't mean to throw shade at you, Jim. You know I love you. No, you know I do. It. But but God damn it, freaking Domino's used the uses the word artisanal. Domino's. I, I mean, it's just a, it's just a word that people throw out there. But I believe you, Jim. I believe your product is artisanal. It is artisanal. It's you. You are a man with your hands in your home kitchen. This it is the epitome of artisanal. In fact, Domino's ruined artisanal for you, freaking Domino's, who will never ever advertise with this show. Sadly, I, I just burned a bridge. <laughs> well, thanks for understanding our use of artisanal. Awesome. Awesome. Jim, thank you so much for the time. And listen, if this is your first time listening to Hot Takes on a Plate, make sure to subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. Also rate the show five stars, of course. That's how we that's how we grow. It's how we do our thing. Also, make sure to follow me on social media at Rob Patron TV on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at BLEAV.com. Until next time, I'm Rob Patron. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.